This is CliffCentral.com. Happy 2018. Hmm. Welcome to Opinion Booth, and this is Ma, Sonia Booth. Alisa. Hello. Good to see you. My first show of the year. Well, live show of yeah. the year. So, today's title, Parenting in the 21st Century. And my guest, who's only just rushed in, I told you I'm going to tell the world that you, that you were late. My and, apologies. Um, and I'm, and I'm, on, I'm only telling on you because you are my best friend and best friends are supposed to be reliable and uh, you owe me uh, coffee after this. <laughs> my apologies. Uh-huh. So my guest today is Tlipsile uh, Manzini, an industrial psychologist, executive coach, public speaker, MC and author. Welcome to Opinion Booth. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning to everyone, to all the listeners. So your bio, Twitter bio that is, industrial psychologist, executive coach, public speaker, wife, mother, daughter of the most high God, worshipper, MC, published author, Wirtz University alumni. I love the emphasis on published author and mention of the Verts University um, alumni. It's like, hey, I worked hard for it. Better recognize. Mm-hmm. Deliberate. Yes. I, yes. I take it. Very much so. Tell me why. Um, I have worked hard to have my own ident- identity. Um, m- most of your listeners won't know, but I'm married to a former footballer. And for the longest time, I was, this is Lopsi de Manzini. Michael Manzini's wife And I felt like no man I have to build my own identity And uh, my way of doing it was working hard Studying hard And because I've achieved that I put it out there so that people know me for me It's okay I'm not embarrassed uh, To be his wife But I have my own identity as well I love that You know a woman who waits for no validation You know the confidence just to say I have my own identity and I'm not Depending on my husband's um, surname or his career to carry me, I'm my own my own woman. Yes, love that. Yes, that's why I'm friends with you. Well, one <laughs> of the main reasons why I'm friends with you. I remember how thrilled you were when you shared the news of your master's uh, dissertation being published. Mm-hmm. What country was it again? In Germany. In Germany, yeah. Yeah. So please share the title and lessons learned uh, during your research uh, year. Uh, the title, okay, maybe let me take it a bit further. When you get accepted to uh, post-grad studies, uh, you're told this emphasis put on you um, researching or having a title that will bring new knowledge into the field, whatever field you're studying towards. Uh, so for me, I was thinking, my goodness, I'm here to get knowledge myself. What kind of knowledge could I possibly be bringing? And then it dawned on me uh, after much deliberation that actually... I am kind of one of the few who are in uh, the football world by virtue of being married to a footballer. So I thought this will give me access. And also, I haven't seen much studies uh, pertaining to them. Also, because I'm passionate about uh, employee wellness, uh, which is that's the provision of EAPs. I, and I had seen from experience that football clubs uh, do not offer employee assistance programs. Then I figured, hang on, I've got my topic let me uh, uh, research the provision of employee assistance programs uh, uh, by football clubs in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And the, obviously my findings were that it's not done. And I was hoping that someone would take whatever I had found and do something about it. Obviously, um, it hasn't been the case, but nonetheless, I've done my part. 
and uh, other learnings where you work hard to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Also, when you are studying uh, as a mother or a working woman or whatever other caps you wear as a person, it's important to have balance in your life. You don't want to just be absorbed and consumed by your studies and not have time for other things. It's important to have balance because once you're done with your studies, you want to still have a life. You want to still have friends. You want to still have family, not feeling like you alienated them when you were busy with your studies. So balance is very important. Absolutely. Yeah. So I didn't invite you here because you're my best friend. I mean, I invited you, you here in your capacity as an industrial uh, psychologist mm-hmm. to discuss uh, different aspects of uh, parenthood. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually the best time to be talking about parenthood because last week um, our kids went back to school and I know some schools are opening uh, tomorrow. Yeah. But being the 17th, I yes, think. Yes, um, my other kids are actually opening tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. First of all, the listeners need to understand who Tlopsila is and um, how she was brought up because how you grew up molded the parent that you are to a certain degree. Do your colleagues know that you started out as a TV presenter, then studied medicine? <laughs> Uh, the only colleagues who know are the ones who have bothered to ask me about my background. Otherwise, I don't put it out there. Um, also, those who have a copy of my CV or who interviewed me <laughs> would know about that. It's nothing I hide, but you, you will just know if you want to know it. Um, I believe that it's come in handy for me because I'm able to, to speak with confidence. Uh, it helps to some extent. Whatever skills that I learned there are, are very much helpful. So, yeah, uh, not that many people know about that, uh, but most people do know that I'm from Swaziland. I don't hide that fact. Uh, they know that I was born and raised there. I studied there. And uh, I'm very much proud to be Swazi as well that, as well as that I was brought up in a Christian uh, way. So you're very right. The way that you were brought up uh, does to a large extent um uh, mold the kind of parent that you become I feel like I'm The parent that I am to my kids Based on my experience as a child How my parents raised me So tell me about You know the decision When you dropped out of uh, medical school Because you were in your third year mm-hmm. <laughs> That was not an easy decision to make Look I never had um, Career guidance In high school And I was I did okay I could have been anything. In fact, I had been accepted for for law, for engineering, as well as medicine. But initially, I had thought I wanted to be a doctor just because I grew up asthmatic. Uh, and uh, I felt like I had lived because of doctors who had helped me. And I wanted to do the same for other parents. And so what you see on TV is not necessarily what you get to experience live when you get to uh, varsity. And so when I get when I got there... It got real and I was like, "Mm -mm, this is not for me. (laughs) I'm definitely not a doctor. But obviously I always knew that I wanted to help people in one way or the other. And I felt like psychology was an avenue to help me do that. And then you you also told me years back that you were considering your PhD. Yes. I mean, I I love the sounds of uh, Dr. Manzini. It sounds, you know, it sounds very marvelous and prestigious. Me too. Are you you tempted? Are you tempted? I still am, hey? Uh, for a number of reasons One being I worked so hard for On my research For both honors and masters And I feel like I should take my work to completion Because someone else can pick it up And it's easy work for them Another reason being My mom uh, 
she's so much into academics. She re- she retired about three four years ago. She's very much bored, even though she's working for the church. And she has been saying, "Come on, let's do our PhD together." And I'd like to do that. I think that would be um, a, a special um, moment for my mom and I. But uh, time right now, I don't have. I don't like to get into stuff. Uh, if I know that I won't be able to give it my best. So it's still on the cards, but not right now. Uh. I mean, what a relationship, you know, mother and daughter. I can just imagine you, you know, in your group session, uh, group discussion uh, sessions, um, you know, uh, studying or making notes or doing research towards towards your PhD. <laughs> and then years later uh, on the podium at the graduation party. Oh. I, I actually look forward to that. I can so no, that. no pressure. <laughs> no, because I already have visions of that and I'm in awe. And I mean, to have you as a friend, it's, um, it's an incredible thing. Cause I mean, it's, you don't wake up, uh, just on a random day and decide and, you know, decide I'm going to do my PhD. I mean, as it is, a master's degree is called a divorce degree for a reason, you know, otherwise <laughs> if it were that easy, there would be a whole lot of us with a master's degree. So I mean, pursuing a PhD would be like royalty. I mean, I would, I would bow. I mean, <laughs> Because I value education, you know, you know yeah. where I stand as far as education is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So, talking about mum, I know she's an academic. Mm. Um, take us back to the days when she left you and your siblings with your dad in order to go study overseas. Yeah. Look, uh, when she left for the first time, she initially went to Australia for her degree uh, for three years. Uh, I was five, about to turn six, so obviously I was too young to understand the impact. Uh, only when I got to experience, uh, it was kind of lonely, especially because I didn't have a sister. Uh, uh, it was lonely. Also, I just feel she was not in a position to explain to us, her kids, why she had to do what she had to do because we were too young to understand. Uh, so she was just gone for the whole year and she'd come back December for a couple of weeks and she'd be gone again. It was difficult, I must say. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and I feel in part why I have Issues with rejections, <laughs> with, with rejection stems from there because I kind of feel like she left us. I don't blame her. I understand now that I'm older, I understand, but, um, she in part contributed to the issues that I have because she left us at our formative, uh, uh, stage, uh, when we really would have needed her in our lives. But, uh, her family, family was very supportive. Uh, they played the role of mother, my grandmother, my maternal great, Grandmother took us in Actually we lived with her Up until she retired My dad only played the role of chauffeuring us to and from school But he was there I'm not uh, I'm not um, belittling the role that he played But um, the family The female figures in my, mom fam- in my mom's family um, Played a huge role In being mothers to us I know you've asked uh, mum for advice, you know, and I know you've asked her how she juggled um, her studies, you know, being a loving and supportive uh, wife, being a loving and caring mother, all this while living apart from the family. So what what are insights or what have you learned from her as to juggling all of that? Because, I mean, we talk about um, somehow finding a balance between work, education, family in terms of your husband and obviously making time for your kids. Mm -hmm. She, look... I've asked her and uh, she has said that it was hardest on her uh, because obviously as a mom, uh, you feel like you have deserted your kids. But at least knowing 
why she had gone there. It was for good motives. It wasn't like she was deserting us because she couldn't stand being a mother to us. And when she was back, she would try and make up for the time. And I think as a result, I have a close relationship with her, not just me, me and my siblings. We have a close relationship with her even till now because she came back and made an extra effort uh, to make up for the time lost. So it was hard. And uh, I've learned from her uh, during my studies as well as uh, recently. I had to leave my family and um, work in Cape Town for about two years. And before I made that decision, which was very hard to make, I did talk to her and she said, look, it depends on your on your motives. Yes, it's going to be tough and uh, society will judge and be critical. So long as you have, um, you find a way to make it work. So long as you, you make your children understand. I was fortunate enough that my kids were old enough to understand, uh, meaning I was able to talk to them and reason with them and they understood why I had to leave. And I did promise it wasn't a permanent situation. I'd come back, but it was tough. It's important to to balance, make time for everything, make time to talk, make time to have dinner. Just ensure you have quality time. Balance is very key, and you can only balance if you plan. Absolutely. Yeah. So now, how did your dad handle the role of being both a mother and a father? Um. Like I said, we lived with um, my my grandmother, my maternal grand- grandmother. So my dad was just there to take us to and from school. We'd only see him then. And that was the time he used to check in with us, to have a conversation with us. He was more focused on ensuring that school, uh, school work was going positively, in the positive direction. So he wasn't the kind of dad who would... Uh, Sit and really find out what is going on in the sense of it's going separate with you and having time alone with you, quality time like that. No, it would just be all four of us at the same time checking with us what's going on at school, how are you. His focus was more on school. I think it's more he relied on uh, my mother's side of the family to, to help him with uh, raising us. I think he would have struggled on his own, really, because my mom was the one who played a major role. Um, at home in terms of everything. So he was just there, played his part, um, and I appreciate him for that. But I also appreciate the fact that he knew where he wasn't strong and relied on other people to come in and play a role in terms of parenting. Mm. Yeah. So now, how did you cope with uh, different levels of uh, testosterone? <laughs> I mean, that is your dad and three brothers. Look, I won't lie, I had a lonely childhood and for the longest time I resented my mom for not giving me a sister because I'd see other people who had sisters, how they would relate to each other and I saw that that part was missing in my life. Uh, I've had people who were kind of like sisters, like uh, daughters to my aunts, but it was a lonely childhood. Uh, I'm grateful for it though, as crazy as that may sound, because it made me focus on schoolwork. Uh, I didn't really belong to any clique of friends. I did have friends, but yeah, only I had time for friends and I had time for my studies. And I did a lot of reading as a result. Uh, my brothers did not really care to involve me in their games. They would play boy things and they Ouch. would make. <laughs> but I know that they love me. I knew then that they loved me, but they just didn't have time for a girl. It was lonely, but I got over it. It, it is what it is. Uh, it was my portion. Those are the cards that I was dealt. 
Yeah, and I mean, as the only girl, did you get a lot of attention from them, from your dad and uh, uh, brothers? From my dad, yes, I did get a lot of attention. She would, he would always uh, treat me like, still does actually, uh, treat me like um, the apple of his eye. I'm his princess. Like, my dad loves me. I don't even know how I can describe how he loves me. So he has been amazing. And from the very beginning, he would never forget my birthday. This one time, my mom and my brothers forgot my birthday. Ooh. And I was so upset. They didn't even realize why I was so upset. And my dad came back home. He had bought me cake and a present. And yeah, so I've always known that I'm daddy's princess. My mom loves me dearly as well. I know I'm loved. If there's one thing, I know that my, my family loves me dearly because they have shown me such yeah. love growing up here. It's a beautiful feeling, right? Yeah, definitely. Unconditional love. Like I haven't, I never had to do anything to earn that love. They just love me and they respect me. I mean, to this day, when my mom has issues with my brothers, she relies on me. She says, I'll talk to your sister. She'll deal with you guys. Mm. <laughs> and my brothers respect me. And when I talk to them, they, they, then they know that, oh, things are serious now. Mm. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I mean, were you raised as one of the boys? I mean, did they rough you up a bit? I mean, did they no. at times forget that you were a girl and just, um, you know, took you as one of the boys? No, no. I was a girl. Look, I did try to involve myself in their games. They would play cricket and football. But yeah, eventually I got over it uh, because it wasn't my thing. Uh, I was a girly girl. Uh, I was a girl proper And my mom made sure She would buy me pink things Pink dresses Floral stuff Pink handbags And all of those things So I was a proper girl uh, Even the kind of work that I do uh, We do similar type of work Except for I wouldn't have to tend to the garden outside Only the boys had to do that So I was brought up as a proper girl <laughs> mm. So now you are mother to Sinti yeah. The full name being Sentelumusa, which yeah. means God has had mercy or grace on us. Yep. He's 12. And you're a mother to a daughter, Snotando. Mm-hmm. And we call her Snow. Yeah. I mean, she's 11. And Snotando means we have love. Yes. Beautiful names. Thank you. And I mean, you know, given the fact that you're a God-fearing woman, I mean, it's it's it makes sense that you would have given them such names, especially Sentelumusa. Mm. So... Between them, there's an age gap of only one year, seven months. <laughs> Meaning, Sainte was nine months old when you conceived Snotando. You, I mean, you have a nine-month-old and then you fall pregnant. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you would have thought a nine-month-old would have been, uh, you know, enough of a, a job. I call it a job because... I've got two boys and motherhood ain't for the faint heart. No. I mean, we, I can, I think, no, I think you, you, you would agree with that. I think, uh, so now you have a nine month old on your arms and then you discover that, whoops, uh, we are pregnant. Um, <laughs> I know you did not plan it that way <laughs> yeah, because we've planned. spoken about it before. <laughs> How did you cope? I, I, I honestly do not know, but to be honest with you, when I discovered I was expecting my, my second child, you know, I was just floored. I was like, oh my goodness. I was, I felt like I wasn't ready, uh, because my son was too young and I had just started studying. Uh, so it was just so much and I felt I needed to bargain with God and say, God, this better be a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and she better be a sweet child who's just not gonna be too much. Uh, uh, she should be an easygoing child and loving. And she was exactly that. It was tough also because my son was too young and all of a sudden there was this other child who was taking his attention. So we had to ensure that 
we give him as much attention as well. We didn't want him to feel left out. It wasn't planned, but I'm actually happy, happy it happened that way because they have a very close relationship. In fact, most people, when they look at them, they think they are twins. Yes, yes. <laughs> they have a close relationship. They take care of, it, of each other. They love each other. So I'm happy it happened that way, even though I hadn't planned it that way. Hmm. <laughs> no, I, I think you're a thrill-seeking issue. I don't know how you did it. I think I would have, I would have pulled my eyelashes one by one. Honestly, <laughs> I take my hat off to you. <laughs> now, we discuss a touchy subject. Mm. The appropriate age to date Tell us about the day When Snotando came to you To ask if she is allowed to date And how old was she? Sure She was 9 Going for 10 And out of nowhere She just asked me If she was allowed to date Yeah Like I had to take a moment To breathe and to think quickly How do I best respond to this Because whatever I say Is make or break and um, I told her that there's no definite age, but she was definitely too young uh, for dating. You uh, you date when you are mature enough uh, to be in a relationship. But then I asked her, what does dating mean to her? What does she think dating is? And she said to me, dating is uh, having a special friend that's a boy that you like. And you hang out with him during uh Lunch and break at school You sit with them You talk to them You tell them you like them You hug And I was like okay Sounds innocent <laughs> I can live with that And then she asked me uh, How old I was When I dated uh, For the first time And I told her That was not important We were growing up at different times But I was 15 And she said okay Uh she felt like, okay, maybe she had to wait a couple of more years. Uh, and, um, yeah, then she told me that she liked someone and she was thinking of dating them. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the brother was dating already, by the way. And I think that could have been the reason. The brother was uh, 10 at the time, going for 11. So that could have been the reason for her to feel like she's left out because they do things together. And, yeah, then I figured, look, let me rather not be the parent who will say dating is not good because they're going to do it in any case behind my back. Rather they do it and I'm aware and I can keep a close eye uh, and close tabs. I can ask them because if I say no, you can't do it and they do it behind my back, then I won't be in the know. I won't be able to ask them what's happening in the relationships. But yeah, it's tough, hey? And I, I actually did research at the time to see what, what was the appropriate age for dating. And um, the, from my research, I didn't really find a, a definite answer, except to say that for proper dating, when you go out on dates and there's a curfew and all of that, uh, at least 16 is the right age. But they're not doing that for now, so I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I remember... Um you know, when uh, our eldest uh, came to me, I don't know why he came to me first and not his dad first. <laughs> I was set up by the universe. <laughs> I mean, you, no parent is ever ready for that conversation, no, right? Not it's it's not an easy conversation to have. And, and he, was, he was young. I mean, it was dating was the last thing on my mind for my child at the time. So, And I mean, I remember when he came up to me, 
I, I was in the study. I was working on something. You know, here I am busy tapping away on my laptop and then randomly just goes to me, um, am I allowed to have a girlfriend? And I almost blurted out, I mean, you still wee, you know, on the bed. I mean, how, how can you even be thinking about having a girlfriend when you're that young? I mean, for the mere fact that you're still wee on the bed means you're way too young, you're too young to even, for me and, and you to be talking about, you know, you having a, a, a girlfriend. And I mean, that reminds me of, um, when I came to visit you and, uh, you, you, you were shouting at Senti to come and take a shower. <laughs> Because he said to me, he doesn't want to wash. You know, he thinks just because of school holidays, he doesn't need to wash. And I remember you said to him, you know, what makes you think um, any girl's going to be attracted to you if you don't wash? You remember that? <laughs> and I mean, it's like, honestly, it's like they don't think about these things. You know what no. I mean? It's like you still wee on the bed. It means you're way too young to be dating. You, you don't want to wash and you want to wash, you know, once a week or you don't want to wash because of school holidays. What girl is going to come up to me? You, you don't even want to brush your teeth. I mean, what's up with that? You know, so I mean, obviously we need to adjust. I mean, being the 21st century, you mm. and I are raising centennials, right? Yeah. I mean, growing up, I mean, I remember I only introduced Matthew to my mother on my 21st birthday party. Because any time before that would have been considered disrespectful mm. by my family. I mean, dating was a taboo, a topic to be discussed. Something I'm learning to adjust to because I want our boys to open up to me and mm. to, to trust me. How did Mike, as a traditional black man, he's a traditionalist, right? Mm. How did he handle that? He was not having any of that. <laughs> In fact, initially he was so upset and I had to have a conversation with him away from the children to say, look, it is what it is. The kids are living in an age whereby they are seeing their friends dating and all of that. And if you alienate them now, they're going to do it in any case and we won't be in the know. So rather they do it and we know, be okay with it. He's he's kind of warming up to it. He's not 100% okay with it. So even when I have conversations with them, usually he's not there because I know that it upsets him, mm. <laughs> especially his young daughter. He, feel, he feels he's too young to be dating. He's not so much concerned with our sons and Delumusa, but with Snotando, he's very much concerned. And I have conf- comforted him to say, look, I will keep tabs on them. Every now and then I talk to them. So they both, Sentelumus and Snotando, broke up with their first boyfriend and first Already? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're not even 15. No. <laughs> Well, they're not even in their teens and they're broken up already. Yes, and okay. they're on to their second relationships. Wow. <laughs> but I wouldn't know these things if I wasn't keeping tabs. Yeah. I, I, I talked to them and I even asked my daughter, so how does it feel to break up with someone? Did it break your heart? And she's like, no, it's okay. I've moved on. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> I guess she has, uh, and they've decided to be friends with the the, the former boyfriend. That's mature. So it is. <laughs> let's be friends. I'm breaking up with you, but let's be friends. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who suggested that they they maintain a friendship, but they broke up because I asked her why did you guys break up, and uh, she said that because she's moving. I mean, he's moving to a new school. They were going to the same school. But now he's moving. This year he's going to a new school. So they figured uh, it's not going to work. They're not going to see hmm. each other. Like I said, the only time they see each other is at school. They don't have dates, proper dates, like go to the movies or go out for lunch or pizza. 
So they figured, what's the point? If we're not going to see each other at school, might as well break up. So yeah, interesting. But you are only able to know what's going on in their lives if you show that you're interested. And uh, in that way, you're also able to manage and just make sure that things don't go overboard if you follow on a day-to-day basis. So I even have access to their phones every now and then. We 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 about to talk about uh, technology. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, just as you touching on them having cell phones, that's going to be my my next question. But mm. um, you know, on a, on a lighter side, I remember when uh, Nathan wanted to go for the first time, our eldest, um, to movies with uh, some of his friends, and a female friend was going to be there as well. I mean, I remember myself and Matthew were devising a plan in the bedroom to say, okay, we're going to let them go. You know, one of the parents was going to drop them off, and then. Myself and Matthew planned to also get movie tickets, the same movie that they were going to watch, and then we were going to sneak in, you know, obviously when they turned off all the lights and we were going to sit right at the back. And we were just going to be sitting there quietly and watching them without them, you know, being aware that we were there and uh, keeping tabs on whose hand is on whose lap or whose arm is around, you know. <laughs> Oh, whose shoulder? I mean, we we those kind of parents, and I mean, we 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 would do things like that. But uh, I think that was a, a, a turn off because uh, Nathan did uh, find out that we were planning on uh, sending um, him with one of the cousins to sit in between in between them to watch a movie with them, and I think that put him off, and uh, he never you know touched on the subject or uh, brought it up again about dating. So now. Technology use, um, as we all know, has uh, proliferated in mm. family life. I mean, we're talking intrusions, um, interruptions due to all these electronical devices, right? Mm. This led to a term called technoference. A study was conducted under the title Parent Destruction with Technology and Associations with Child Behavior Problems. Mm. And the results suggest that technological interruptions are associated with child problem behaviors. Your opinion on that? Uh, my opinion is that, look, we are raising our kids in a world that is getting more technologically advanced by the day. So um, the kids have to have some kind of access to technology, but everything in moderation. I also believe that uh, I actually read somewhere, and I agree with that, uh, the author says uh, technology can't be for consumption or creation. So it depends. How are you using that technology? If you're using it for creation, that's better. Um, consumption, consumption is a different story altogether. So for me, it's not okay that you come back home in the evening. Everyone is on their cell phone. No one is having a conversation with, with each other. You're not checking in to, to see how, uh, the day went for the next person or for your child. So everything in moderation. So in my house, I, Hide the Wi-Fi router sometimes. There's time for everything. So even when they want to use it, I ask them what is it exactly they want to use it for. For downloads, they need to get permission from me to say this is what we want to download and that this is the size of whatever file we are downloading. So everything in moderation. But I feel that parents, um, I don't know, maybe it's because we are too busy. Uh, we come back from work, we're tired, we've been sitting in traffic also. And when you come back home, you just want to put your feet up and watch TV or do whatever it is that makes you feel relaxed and feel like you, you don't have time for your children. And that's a problem because um, I believe children are like a sponge. Uh, wherever you soak the sponge, whether you soak it in water or whatever it is, what comes out of the sponge is what it's been soaked in. 
So if you're not playing a huge or significant role in influencing what goes into your child's head, um, then that's a problem because what comes out will be something you're not happy. I feel like parents should play a huge role in influencing uh, what their kids are getting fed. Um, so not just food, uh, but what, what their minds are being fed. Um, because once something goes into your head, it's implanted in your heart and then it influences what you do and how you behave. And I believe that a lot of kids are behaving somehow, are having behavioral issues because uh, maybe some parents have not been paying attention to being parents and ensuring that their kids are being fed the right things. You know, um, a friend, we were having a conversation because last year um, myself and Matthew were you know, considering getting a, a phone for our eldest who's 13. Mm-hmm. He started high school last week, mm-hmm. meaning he's turning 14 this year. And we had promised him that his self, first cell phone was going to be in high school. Yeah. But he ended up not getting it because um, his uh, marks deteriorated um, the last term. And we had, you know, sat him down in the beginning of last year, 2017, to say, should your marks be, you know, remain consistent? Should we feel that you're still applying yourself, uh, yourself and you're not uh, dropping, you know, the ball and uh, you're still focusing and you're still, you know, applying yourself, uh, as yourself in the manner and the way and the level that we know of you. Um, so come the end of the year when we got his final um, marks, I mean, even before we got his report, the teacher had already told us that, listen, we, I'm worried as his teacher because we know he's better than that mm. looking at his past results so we sit him down and say well the agreement was that if you if you maintain um, the level which is what's going to be expected of you in 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 real life out there once you graduate and you go into the uh, workplace consistency mm-hmm. is everything yeah so you haven't applied yourself so i'm afraid that means you're not going to be getting a cell phone mm-hmm. so he's turning 14 this year he still won't have a phone it's a tough decision it's not easy but the reason i mentioned this is because a friend then asked, what do your kids need a phone for? And I, 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 was, I was silent for a couple of minutes because I was trying to think of reasons. They still don't have phones, but he said, simple question, what do they need a cell phone for? He said, Sonia, if they're at school and there's an emergency, Either the receptionist or the administrator we'll will call, call you. Mm-hmm. If they've forgotten their lunchbox, they can go to the receptionist school mm. and call you. If they're at home and they want to communicate with their friends, they can use the landline because most of us have a landline. Mm-hmm. Or, mommy, can I use your phone? Or, daddy, can I use your phone? And that got me thinking. Because honestly, what do they need cell phones for? And I watched Nathan for the entire December period during the December holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a a, a tablet that belongs to the entire family. It doesn't belong to Nathan or Noah or Matthew or myself. It's a family tablet. So we all have access to that to use it whenever. I mean, it's convenient to take it with you in the car on a long road trip, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the time that he spent on that thing. And I remember saying to Matthew, just as well, he doesn't have a cell phone. Because, I mean, imagine if he had a cell phone and then he had access to the family tablet and TV, Xbox and all of that. I mean, how how is he going to manage all of that when he still has his books to consider? Obviously, when we're on holiday, it's a different story. But now that he's going back to school, 
you know, obviously you wanna, you, you might be able to enforce rules and say no cell phones, uh, during the week or no Xbox during the week, no TV during the weeks, you, you know, no mm. cartoon, uh, during the week, but it's a lot to manage as a parent. And that's what you, the show is about. You know, we, we're talking about all the challenges of raising kids in the 21st, um, century, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's an interesting question. It that, is. That parents need to ask themselves. So the question is, what do your kids need a cell phone for? Anyway, let's move on because I mean, it's, it's, it's different folk, uh, different strokes for different folks, mm-hmm. right? So we cannot talk about parenthood without discussing pressing issues yeah. such as child suicide. It is escalating at an alarming rate and the kids involved are getting younger and younger. Senti, your eldest, who's turning 13, 13 on the 31st. He lost his friend, who also happened to be your neighbor. Mm-hmm. How old was he when the boy uh, hanged himself? You mean my son sent you? Your son, you, your son's friend. The boy was eleven years old. Eleven years old. Yeah. He committed suicide by yeah. hanging himself. Mm-hmm. How did he handle it, Sinti? That is. Yeah, it was tough for him to even imagine why his friend would have done that. Um, he had last seen his friend um, about a week before. The friend hung himself And um, So he was just trying to think What could have been going through his friend's mind To even consider such an option And I had to Talk to him uh, On a daily basis I took him with whenever I went to visit the family Even when we Attended the last memorial service Because we couldn't attend The funeral was during the weekend I was at work but I made sure I took him with, um, just for closure. But it was tough for him, uh, for all the kids in the estate, actually. It, it was just one of those things that was just baffling to them why their friend would have done that. And uh, they understand death. At their age already, they understand how final death is. But they just could not fathom that he successfully took his own life um, and why he would have done that. And uh, apparently, because I hear hear from them, apparently there's a game uh, which you play and as you progress through the levels, the last level, which is the highest level, is for you to take your own life. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that it, it's it's a Russian it's a Russian app. Yeah. I, I remember it, it made it made breaking news actually. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna try actually and Google the the name because parents need to look out for that. And in fact, I might even do the next show on that because it's 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 scary. It's serious. It's so serious. so so this 11 year old who hanged himself, he he was using that game. They they suspect. I doubt that's the case because the other kids. Uh, I made it a point to talk to also to the other kids, not just my son. They were saying that he had had a fight with one of the other kids, not a, um, like a, a, a disagreement rather, and he was so upset. But I was thinking, why would a kid think the solution to having a disagreement with their friend would be to kill themselves? So there's speculation, really. None of the kids really know why he did that, uh, but they were saying that it could be that he was playing that game. So... I'm not saying that he was, but there was speculation that it could have been that because it didn't make sense. He didn't look like a child who was unhappy or depressed. To them, he looked like a normal child that they played with every day. So to just wake up the next day and hear that he's no more 
was just baffling to them. Sure. By the way, that game is called Blue Whale. Okay. Yeah. Well, a, yes. I know for Sounds a fact familiar. that it's a, it's a, it's a Russian, uh, Russian app. I mean, it's, it's sickening yeah. to think that a psycho out there, you know, would, or sociopath would uh, develop something like that. It I mean, is. I mean, sickening. after all, we are living in, we are living in a, in a sick society. Yeah. Anyway, it can, let's just move on from that. It's, it's, it's a very depressing uh, subject, but we had to talk about it. It's very real. Actually, before we move on, I, I then read and saw that the stats that the numbers have been doubling since um, 2000. The number of kids, preteens killing themselves have been doubling. And it looks like no one really knows why kids are killing themselves. Uh, and I feel like someone must go out there and find out. Could it be depression? Could it be because uh, kids are feeling like they have problems that can't be solved? Or they were bullied at school. Or maybe they are bullied at school. And I feel like if as a parent you have that close relationship with your child you talk to them not just on the surface not just to ask them how was your day at school but rather to dig in deeper to say what made you happy today what made you sad today have honest deep relationship with your child or conversations with your child you'll get to know if something's off i think i'd like to think that as a parent you know your child and you can pick up if something is wrong absolutely and you can avoid that because the number of kids who have been killing themselves especially by hanging themselves is quite alarming in South Africa. I think we are the seventh in the world in terms of the rate of preteen um, suicide. It's um, it's actually scary. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Okay. What is your opinion on the TV show Too Posh to Parent? <laughs> Look, um, I don't have that much money to understand what it's like to live like that. So I don't want to judge, but my own perception is that children are a blessing from God. When God blesses you with a child, he's entrusting you with the child uh, to bring them up in a way uh, that is good and pleasing to him. Uh, I believe it's your responsibility, responsibility as a parent to ensure that uh, you raise a good citizen of the world and not pay other people because if you're Bringing other people that you're paying, they are bringing their own values, their own morals, their own principles. How do you uh, then ensure that your kids are getting the right way? Because the right way is your way. And if you have different people bringing their different influence, I don't know, I just feel like there's a disconnect. I feel like um, the, the job of parenting should be entrusted to the people who were given the baby. By God or whatever it is you believe in But you were given that baby For a reason mm. And uh, you have to play your role In ensuring that you do a good job With that child up until they're an adult And they're able to move out And be good people So each to their own I guess But for me I just Frown upon the idea of paying someone else Unless there's really there are really Pressing reasons why you can You can't raise your own children I mean there's lots of things that um, could get in the way But really if you just make it a choice Because you can afford to I, I don't know about that I just feel like um, How how are you able to control How your kids are being raised How are you able That's why kids grow up And they feel like they are unloved Because uh, love is one of the, the most basic needs That a human being uh, has And you first experience love from your parents so if your parents have not shown you love, they've just discarded you and paid someone else to take care of you, you'll have issues, obviously. You'll have issues with loving other people and you'll be some kind of psychopath because 
you were not given the kind of um, attention and care by your parents. That's my take. <laughs> I mean, you know, I had to, I had to <laughs> watch, um, you know, a, a couple of episodes on 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 the net because I missed the actual um, production which was shown on, um, you know, pay pay TV. I think last year because mm. I just could not believe. I mean, the one mother spends the equivalent of three point four million. On nannies, um, she's got three kids and, uh, they each have three nannies. Sure. So they've got nine nannies on a rotational basis. So around the clock, mm. 24 hours a day. They've got, um, a chauffeur who, um, who also works as a, as a bodyguard and, um, they have a cobbler that comes to the house to measure the kids' feet so that, you know, they can Inch get custom-made, uh, bespoke, uh, shoes. And, um, the one boy has a Lego. Therapist. I didn't even know there was something called a Lego therapist. <laughs> Neither did I. But I mean, to think that some of us don't even make 3.4 million a year. This is someone who's spending that on parental outsourcing. And I'm thinking, geez, I, I think I should leave South Africa and go and become a nanny. Because I mean, some of the nannies in the UK are making 2.4 million rands a year. That's what I thought actually myself. I was like, geez, I'm a psychologist. I could be hired by these people, even though I don't agree with what they're doing. But uh, at least that'd be instilling the right things, I think. But yeah, man. And I mean, their tutors have to have PhDs. So once you, you, you graduate with your PhD, you might just want to go to the UK and become a tutor and earn about uh, 2.6 million a year in the, in the UK. It's not a bad move. No, right? not at all. Not so at now, all. I'll you know, <laughs> so we, you know, in, in, particularly in the black culture, and I mean, I can only talk about the black culture, obviously. I don't mm. know any other upbringing. Mm. So I mean, we, we grow, we grew up, um, under, the care of our nannies. It's a different story, obviously, because our mothers were, you know, they had to be at work, um, and maybe the grandmothers were living in the rural areas, and then the parents are living in Soweto, and then they have to go work uh, to work every day in uh, Jobbik CBD. So the kids were more often than not sent to the rural areas, whether it's Limpopo, Lesotho, or you know, um, Mafikeng. So I mean, I grew up with you know grandparents, and you you would think that after so many years. Um, with a lot of families moving to the urban areas, that whole culture would have changed. I mean, you still find today people who can afford nannies or people who can afford to bring in their granny from the rural areas into a spare bedroom to live with them and to help them obviously care for the child because obviously you've got other things to do to bring bread and butter to the house, right, and pay mm. the rent and car and school fees and whatever. Why do you think that culture is still uh, existing whereby we just seem to be giving birth and then we, we, to a certain degree, burden the granny, uh, who's like 80 years old, who's supposed to be enjoying her pension money. Um, and more often than not, um, more kids are sent. You know, it's, it's like a 16 year old falls pregnant and then the kid gets sent to the rural area. And then you would think that lessons learned, she would go back to school, use the time away from the kid to be learning, uh, to better their lives. But then instead they'll fall pregnant a year later knowing that they'll send the grand, you know, the grandchild uh, away. away to the grandmother. Why do you think that is? And I'm asking of you, not just as a parent, but, but as a, an, a, as a psychologist. I, I really do not know, to be honest with you. I know of the trend. I'm aware of the trend, but most of my friends, all of my friends live with their children. Uh, I can only think that, uh, people, uh, especially you mentioned black people. They often, when it comes to just life in general, not just parenting, they often make choices without thinking. 
So they live a life that they are, whatever choices that they make for their life are made without proper or thorough thinking in terms of how am I going to cope with this? How am I going to manage? So people become, become parents for the wrong reasons, not because they are ready to be parents. I, that's the only thing I can think of. You, you mentioned earlier that parenting is not for the faint at heart. You can do so much reading. You can get advice from left, right and center, but your child is unique and children don't come with a manual. You have, it's, I feel like you have to make a concerted effort to become a parent, a good parent to your child. I don't know. I really cannot think of a valid reason why people would think it's okay to do that, to be honest with you. Um, because you should have a child when you're ready to have a child, when you know that you'll be able to take care of it, when you know that you're making enough money to to raise the child and still be able to afford to put a roof over yours and their head you're able to clothe everyone you're able to put food on the table uh, but maybe people have some extenuating um, uh, circumstances that one doesn't know of but it, it's baffling it's mind-boggling really i i don't understand why people would do that um do, do, do you think such an upbringing uh, leads to adults who have commitment or attachment issues, issues? definitely Definitely you'll have issues because um, in your formative years, that's like between 6 and 10, you really need your parents, both of your parents, to be playing a role teaching you different parts of life. So your father has a role to play and a mother has a role to play. And you will see that if, 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 if a child is coming maybe from a single uh, parent home, they have issues. Uh, have issues with connecting with people or have issues with trusting people. Your upbringing does influence the kind of adult you become at a later stage. Uh, attachment issues, um, uh, feeling unloved. Uh, find You find women who will seek uh, relationships where they are not loved, uh, but they are just seeking relationships to, and often the guy is almost like the father figure, the father that they never had. A lot of the times you find that, um, Issues stem from the way that someone was raised. And I'd like to believe that if your parents shaped you away, you will feel like, wow, the people who were, the f- who were supposed to be the first people to love me did not even care to give me that love. They shoved me to someone else, even though grandparents will often love a child. But to just know that you were rejected by your own parents can't be a nice thing, I think. So now, do you remember... When Snotando, your daughter, came up to you and said, Mommy, I wish God made me a yellow bone like you. You are so pretty. Yes. How did that make you feel? And how did you handle that conversation? That broke my heart uh, because I figured she wasn't just having that relationship from nowhere. She was probably being bullied uh, at school or by her friends where we live by, because of her color. And I had to um, sit down with her and have an understanding of where that was coming from. But also um, made a decision to make it my priority, my mission to always tell her that she's beautiful, that she's intelligent, that she, that she can do whatever she wants. As a result 
you know Snotando. She's so confident. She walks with a stride. She sings, even though she's not a, a really good singer, but she just does whatever. She dances. She's a little bit stiff. She's not that gifted when it comes to dancing, but she dances anyway. She gets the moves right. She's just confident. And that's because I made it an, a, a mission for myself to always tell her that you are beautiful. Your skin color is beautiful. And I showed her a number of um, other women who are colored like her who are dark like her and to say look how beautiful they are look their models uh, look at auntie sonia look how beautiful she is she's a model she's this she's that she's that your color is nothing it's just like a piece of clothing uh the real you is inside and the real you is beautiful what matters is what's inside the outside still to me you look beautiful and as a result she believes she's beautiful but yeah she does feel like uh, if she were lighter, maybe she'd be more beautiful. And I suppose it's because of the kind of world that we live in, where yellow bones um, are paraded as beautiful. And anything dark-skinned, black bones are considered ugly. Or, or automatically yes. when you're a black bone, you're ugly. Yes, I'm, which is I'm, not the case. I marvel and I admire you for sitting her down and having that deep conversation with her. And I, I don't need to encourage you to... Keep reminding her of how beautiful she is because we live in a very brutal world mm. because the bullying is, is not only um, it's not going to be she's not going to be experiencing that only at school. Even when she's grown up, um, the big bad world out there, she's going to be ridiculed because she's stuck in complexion. Mm. So keep keep encouraging her. And, and I love that she's become such a confident young young girl. Oh, she's thick skinned. Eh? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Mrs. Thank Manzini, Klopsile, thank you so much for spending your time with me here on the Opinion Booth. I know you're on leave. Uh, you go back to work next week. Yes. All the best for the year. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. It felt like uh, old times when me and you just sit and have conversations. So I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for having me. And apologies for being late. It's okay. <laughs> you, you, you still owe me coffee after this. Yes. My humble opinion, after all, this is the Opinion Booth. Your child should look to you. As a role model The only reason your child considers someone Other than you as a role model Is because you do not inspire Encourage nor motivate them It amazes me how society Puts personalities and so-called celebrities On a pedestal and crown them As role models for their kids Only to spew bile when that person Steps out of line Exclamation marks You hear them say These celebrities should know better they should behave in the right manner because our kids look up to them. Be a celebration to your kids and take responsibility for how they turn out. Raise your hand and avail yourself as a role model to avoid disappointment. In the words of Melissa Nichols, you make me extraordinary because he lets you off the hook. I'll repeat that. You make me extraordinary because it lets you off the hook. Mm. Aspire. To inspire before you expire. This is CliffCentral.com.